Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Good afternoon. Happy Election Day. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you this afternoon. No, it's not Saturday, but you got me all week from 3 to 4. And then, of course, Saturday morning from 6 to 9 here on 710 KNUS, our telephone number. If you want to join into the festivities, 303-696-1971. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town, if you wish to text in, please. Just as we might ask if you call in. You can also email yours truly, 24-7-365, couple of ways to do that one, if you go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page at 710knus.com, you can shoot me a message from there. And there's my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. Good to be with you today on Election Day. Have you gotten your ballot in? It looks like, according to one report, as of this morning, just over 1 million ballots, 1.03 million ballots have been returned out of 4.4 million registered voters. That's a 23% turnout, which is reportedly on track for potentially historic lows in Colorado. Then again, you might be like me. I've got my ballot with me. After the show, I'm going to finally drop it off. It's just something that I've always done since mail balloting became a thing in, what, 2013, where I would drop off my ballot the day before the day of Election Day. So I'll get mine in. You should, too. Are you voting? Have you voted yet? Are you optimistic or pessimistic about what might happen, say, with Proposition HH? Shortly, we will be joined by Sherry Pife, reporter at CompleteColorado.com, to talk about this election and where things stand, what they're looking at, things to watch, and so forth. But one thing that should be encouraging, an ominous sign for those advocating for Proposition HH, which over the next decade would essentially eradicate the taxpayer refunds that we get from the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights, a.k.a. our Tabor refunds. In today's newsletter from the Colorado Sun in an addendum, quote, property tax relief now. That's the bogus name for Prop HH, the deceptive name. Property tax relief now is not holding its own election night watch party, which is a big indication supporters of the measure think it's going to fail. Now that is a at least a slight sign for optimism. I like to hear... That. 
especially when we have a not-so-rosy turnout picture, at least so far. Meanwhile, today in Denver, voters are looking to replace none other than Tay Anderson, the controversial board member who should have been kicked off the board or at least found some way to get him off a couple of years ago. He's been on there. He decided not to run for re-election after getting a 9% approval rating. When a poll says 9% wants you to run, you kind of shouldn't run. So he's running for state house instead, which means we'll probably still talk about him over the next year. But Tay Anderson is now running for re-election, which means there's a big race to replace him between John Youngquist and Kwame Spearman, John Youngquist being the former principal of East High School, longtime administrator, teacher, and Kwame Spearman, who was the former CEO of the Tattered Cover. He left when he ran for mayor earlier this year. And then, of course, at least a couple of the locations of the Tattered Cover have declared a bankruptcy in the wake of his tenure as CEO. Not very good luck. But in that race and in the other district races where you have incumbent Scott Balderman facing a very strong challenge from Kimberly Sia and Charmaine Lindsay also facing a challenge from Marlene De La Rosa, you've got some big races going on in the Denver School Board elections. And I've got some news that we'll get to in a little bit about more craziness from that board that is just absolutely absurd. But what else would you expect from what Albertus Simmons, the longtime civil rights leader, called a clown show? That would be the DPS Board of Education. We'll get to that in a bit. To talk about where things are looking like right now, how they're looking, I'm pleased to be joined this afternoon to kick the show off by Sherry Pife, reporter at Complete Colorado. Good afternoon, Sherry. How are you? Hey, Jimmy. I'm good. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing well. It's good to talk with you. It is Election Day. Let me just, before we get into some specifics and whatnot, how are you feeling on this Election Tuesday? I am glad it's Election Day. You know, Election Day has always been like a fun day for reporters. We've always been, it's like it's like the final buildup. You know, it's pizza night in the newsroom. It's everything else. And then when I left mainstream and went to Complete Colorado, it took on a whole new set of legs and a whole new, um, whole new adrenaline rush for me. So election night is always is always like the fruits of your labor. You, it's either one amazing, exhilarating night or one major punch in the gut. You just, you know, it's like it's just like <laughs> one extreme or another. You never know what you're going to get. Um, yeah. But it's super it's super stimulating leading up to about 7:15 in the evening. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's when then when you get the first results that come out. Uh here's something I was just talking about this that is encouraging from the Colorado Sun in their newsletter today, Sherry, quote, property tax relief now is not holding its own election night watch party, which is a big indication supporters of the measure think it's going to fail, whereas the no on Prop HH group is holding their election night shindig tonight. You're not seeing one for property tax relief now. 
Uh, that is encouraging. I mean, it's not a, a done deal, of course, but it seems like that's reason for optimism if you're those of us who say Prop HH that wants to take away our Tabor refunds should be canceled. Well, and, you know, I also heard you're right. It's absolutely um, amazingly encouraging news. But I also heard that our governor is not even in the state of Colorado right now, that he's up in Wyoming doing a, a couple of days of vacation time. I don't know how true that is. But if Governor Polis isn't even in the state tonight, that tells me, you know, if Jackson Hole, Wyoming is more important than Denver, <laughs> right. Colorado on election night, that tells me that he's not exactly convinced that he's going to have a whole lot of fun things to say either. Yeah, uh, that that's for darn sure. Let's talk for a moment in terms of Prop HH uh, about the stakes here as you see it. Uh, Complete Colorado has shared a lot on this issue and the independences the two you've had. Ben Murray really putting it into perspective that bottom line is this would not be on the ballot if it weren't actually a tax increase. They can go ahead as the Republicans now are looking to propose should HH fail. They can go ahead and cut taxes on property taxes without going to vote of the people. The only reason Tabor requires you to go for a vote of the people if, if, is if it is an effective tax increase. And that's exactly what this is. That, and that's exactly right. And I think we'll take it one step further. I don't know if you saw the press release that came out a few days ago or last week one day. You know, John Caldera, my, the, the president of the Independence Institute, decided to take the ballot language in Prop HH and copy and paste it into yes. a Simpsons initiative and take that before the ballot, the, the title board and say, hey, we want to put this on the 2024 ballot. Um, let's let's get this started. And the title board was like, no, 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 no. Let's slow down here a little bit. Um, this is all over the place. Everything about this is wrong. It, it flies in the face of the state constitution and it just, it just doesn't pass all the tests. No, nope, killed, denied. So if the ballot language for Prop HH can't make it to the ballot through a citizen's initiative, why should it have been able to make it to the ballot? Because and you're in, and Ben and everybody yeah. and you were, are exactly right. People in Colorado only have to remember one thing. If you are voting on something that has to do with your taxes, it is either a tax increase or a debt increase. No government entity in the state of Colorado has to go to the voters to lower the taxes or lower the debt. They just don't have to. Which, by the way, is why when Governor Polis says, I support going to zero rate for taxes, I want to cut your tax rate, why it's nonsense because he hasn't, not only did he not push forward the measure last year that voters approved to slightly modestly reduce the tax rate in Colorado, but he hasn't proposed anything himself. And he could go to the Democrat legislature and say, hey, guys, we need to do a nice, fine tax cut, but they have not done it. But I want to ask you, Sherry Pife, if this report suggests accurately that Prop HH is going to fail, what does that say again about Tabor and about Colorado and its staying power in this state and what voters think and feel about it? It is it is a huge testament, and it, it would be so nice if other states would really start paying attention. 
because in a state like Colorado that is squarely blue, I mean, we are not a shade of purple anymore. We are blue. And in a state that is blue, that we continue to push back and keep Tabor strong and sound by overwhelming numbers. I mean, we don't win these these elections, these Tabor elections. We don't win these by 50% plus one vote. We generally win these by 65, 70, 75% of the vote, which is what I fully am cautiously optimistic you're going to see tonight. And in a state that is as blue as Colorado, to continue to tell the government that, no, we get a say in when you raise our taxes and you raise our debt, no, despite everything else, that's a huge testament to how important Tabor is in Colorado success. Yeah, and what it also shows is even if you try to pull the wool over Coloradans with the deceptive Mm -hmm. way they've approached this, they're still going to say no. Now, of course, we're talking optimistically here. Hopefully that will bear out. I think there is cause for optimism, but we won't know, of course, until we start getting returns after 7.15 or thereabouts and then uh, going in later to the night. Who knows how late it'll go. It might be called Uh, pretty easily. Right. I want to turn now, Sherry Pife again, reporter Complete Colorado, to turnout for a moment. I'm looking here a report showing that turnout is actually on track for potentially historic lows in Colorado. 1.03 million ballots have been returned out of 4.4 million registered voters for a turnout so far of 23%. I must admit that I am part of that if I can do basic math. Uh, 77% of voters who hadn't voted, because I've got my ballot and I'll be dropping it off after the show here. Uh, But what do you think, what are you hearing is going on? I wonder if there's a difference, because you're telling me Weld County's looking very strong right now. Uh, If there might be a difference in parts of the state based on uh, turnout numbers, which could show one thing or another uh, about results. Well, I think turnout in general is is behind everywhere, but I would say that I have to, I, and I and I say this every election, so it's not like I'm remembering wrong because I swear I feel like I say this every election. In the last election on election day, I remember the Weld County Clerk and Recorder having grim. Ugh, our voter turnout is just horrible. This is the worst voter turnout we've ever had. Oh my goodness, everybody gets to the ballot. Well, this could be the lowest turnout Weld County has ever seen. And then at the end of the day, it takes five or six days to finally get all the counts completely done because everybody turned in their ballot on Tuesday. I think what you're seeing more and more um, across the board is people are waiting until Election Day to uh, to vote. And and I don't I'm not I'm not going to be worried about um, voter turnout until you know, seven, seven, seven oh one p.m. tonight. But what I think you're seeing that is that is increased and that is looking positive is the one thing that they're also reporting is that Republican voters are turning out in higher force than what they've turned out in the past, and mm-hmm. um, unaffiliated voters are are under um, underrepresenting the unaffiliated portion, and that to me is huge because I think that Republicans. Proposition HH has driven the Republicans to the ballot yes. this year. Mm. And I and the big thing coming out of that, if the Republican uh, turnout is actually leading the state, the thing about that is talk about your down ballot. 
This is an election year that is nothing but school boards. So if the Republicans are turning out in record numbers for this election, that could have huge impacts on your local races when it comes to down ballot returns. Yeah, that would be not just school boards, but also city council races. But but in terms of school board, though, that could actually be driving some of the turnout, too. I've been calling this the year of the school boards because here in Colorado, the interest from parents' rights groups, the Colorado Parent Advocacy Network is one example, and plenty others that are in this state have been mobilizing voters to get out there or getting people engaged and informed so that they're fired up to go and vote. And that, to me, could help explain why Republicans appear to be turning out in pretty strong numbers is they're fed up with what's happening on school boards and they want to protect Tabor, one of the most galvanizing issues for the right. Agreed completely. You know, this this particular this particular go around of school boards is the first time that I have seen um, in my in my history that I know of, you know, 34 years in Weld County as a registered voter. I, and, and it's happening across the state. You've seen where the the school board candidates are running in slates. They're not run, they're not running as Republicans. They're not running as Democrats because they can't. But they're running in slates of ideological similarity. And then everybody else is putting them into a box of whether they're a conservative or a liberal. So all across the state of Colorado, you're actually seeing slates of candidates that are like, vote for this slate. You know, they're the conservative change or vote for this slate. They're the progressive, you know, status quo. But even bigger yet is for the first time in a long, in, in I don't know how long, the Republican county parties endorsing nonpartisan races. I've seen it in Weld County. I've seen it in Larimer County, Jefferson County, Douglas County. You see these, these, these county parties actually endorsing nonpartisan races. And that's just unheard of. That's how important these local municipal races and these local school board races has become to try to get, because that's all we have right now, Jimmy. We don't have state elections. We, you know, all of the state, um, all the state offices are blue. Most of the state legislature is blue. So the only thing that people in Colorado really have to, to hang their hat on are their local races. This is where we begin to take back the state. And I think you're right. That, that has driven people to the ballot box because they're starting to see their county parties getting involved in their local municipal and school board races. And they're also we're also seeing that play out not technically as slates, but in Denver you have the three candidates who are the union candidates, and then the three non-union candidates, and they're getting put in that bucket. And you have the mayor of Denver, Mike Johnston, endorsing and consistently advocating for and putting out ads and promoting the three non-union-backed candidates. It's really quite striking to see, and I'm glad to see. That Republicans seem to be getting active because I just I was just sent this a bit ago. I had not seen it, so I don't have the audio to play. But apparently Colorado Republican Party chairman Dave Williams was on a a web show where he said, and I quote, there are no fair elections in Colorado, which is 
It's just stunning to me to hear that kind of rhetoric because normally you want to de- demoralize the other side's voters and encourage them or discourage them from voting and get your voters out. But if you say there's no fair elections in Colorado, that that doesn't necessarily give reassurance to the right. So, so I'm glad to see that Republicans aren't being necessarily turned away because of supposed concerns about election stuff. Agreed. And I think that also full circle comes back to who votes on Election Day. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) You know, you've got I've got all my friends who have been calling me all day long going, oh, my goodness. Um, I have, you know, all this this ink all over my car, you know, endorsing certain candidates. Can I still park in the parking lot of the election thing so that I can go vote? And or I have people calling me going, how do I vote or who do I vote for? Give me your ideas on this. And my phone has been blowing up all day from people, and they're all conservative because of the fact of things like what Dave Williams put out and this idea that there's no fair elections. The Republican Party has really become a very much Election Day voting party. So the ballots that are turned in today are going to probably favor the Republican Party when it comes to what gets turned in. They're not traditionally early voters. So that is the other, you know, cautiously optimistic thing that you have to think about when it comes to low voter turnout. It's because Republicans don't trust don't trust the system. So, well, and and so hopefully that that piece about Election Day does turn out to be the case in terms of more Republicans turning out in greater numbers. Um, Clearly, they're the the larger percentage of Election Day voters are going to be Republican one way or the other. Uh, By the way. What is the rule on having uh, stickers on your car and going to a polling place? Well, it's going to depend. It's a hundred foot. It's a hundred foot rule. Yes. So it's going to depend on where you're actually casting your ballot. So if you pull into a parking lot and the the polling place is right outside your car, no. But you know, if you're a hundred feet from the front door or more, then yeah, you can leave those on your car. Hmm. You, you just cannot be electioneering within a hundred feet of the polling place. So most every poll, not even most, all polling places will have signs that say something to the effect of electioneering stops here. You know what I mean? It'll say 100-foot electioneering whatever. So so long as you're not parking in between that sign and the polling place, you're going to be fine. There you go. Uh, Sherry Pife, before we let you go, anything else you want to call our attention to or have us keep in mind when the returns come in? Final word, whatever uh, strikes your fancy. You know, I'm curious to see what happens with II. Um, II is one of those that in any other given year, we would probably see a lot of opposition, a lot of money being put into, because it is also a Tabor-affected um, uh, ballot measure. But because there's been so much attention put into HH, II has kind of been left off in the in the wind, you know, and, and that's been... Almost everybody I know that calls me is like, okay, I know it's a no on HH, but what do I do on II? And II is it's the exact same thing. The government said to us, hey, we need X amount of money to do this. And two years later, they're coming back and they're saying, hey, we got $20 million more than what we expected. Can we keep it? No, you can't keep it. Do what you wanted to do with the money you said it was going to cost. So I'll be really curious to see how people paid attention to II if the no on HH follows the no's on II. You know what I mean? And remind if folks the, what if, I, however I, they go, if they go the same way. Remind folks what II would do. 
So uh, Proposition II basically is when, when we passed EE a couple of years ago to fund Polis' all-day uh, kindergarten program or preschool program, uh, it was a cigarette tax. And they said we need X amount of money on this new cigarette tax to fund this all-day preschool or this uh, universal preschool program, excuse me, this universal preschool program. Well, the cigarette tax that they put in place actually gained $20 million or something to that effect more than what they thought it would. So now they want to keep that $20 million and they want to detaber it so that in the years down the road, as they get more and more and more and more, they can keep all of that money too. Um, so basically, it's the same as any other kind of detaber. Oops, we didn't calculate right. Now we want to keep more than what we actually thought we would need. Please give us. If it passes, they will get to keep all of the extra $20 million that they've collected, and they will get to keep all of the taxes um, in the years to come. If it fails, they have to give the $20 million back to where it came from, which is the tobacco producers, and they will have to lower the tax rate on cigarettes by 12%. So it's another detabering clause um, that I'm just really curious to see if it follows, if the percentage one way or another, yeah. you know, if HH fails 75 to 25, but II passes 65 to 35, then I'm going to be questioning if there wasn't enough education on II. Yeah, that's a good point. It will be interesting indeed. I will say I did vote no on II. So I hope I both <laughs> HH and II fail. Sherry Pife, yep. always appreciate your insights and takes here on 710 KNUS. Thanks so much Thanks, for joining Jimmy. us from Complete Colorado. You bet. Have a good one, Jimmy. Thank you. You as well. And happy Election Day. Once again, Sherry Pife joining us, complete Colorado reporter extraordinaire. We're going to take a break. What are your thoughts? Have you voted yet? 303-696-1971. If not, why not? If so, what do you think is going to happen with HH in particular? Are you optimistic as Sherry and I were? If you haven't voted yet, is it because you're waiting and you just haven't turned it in yet and you're going to get it in like me? 303-696-1971. We'll pick up the conversation with much more on the Jimmy Sangenberger weekday show for this week on 710 KNUS. What is that time? It is 3.35 on Election Day, meaning I'm trying to do the math. You got three hours and 25 minutes to get your ballots in if you have not done so. And by ballots, I mean your individual ballot and no more than nine other ballots under Colorado law that needs to be strengthened, sure, uh, about ballot harvesting. No more than 10 ballots can you return, but make sure to get yours in. I know I will be after the show. Welcome back. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. 710-KNUS. I was asked. I'll just mention it. Stefan Tubbs has a little shindig at Launchpad Brewery in Aurora, 5.30 to 9. Meanwhile, there are a lot of election night parties, prop... H8, no on prop HH has their thing at JJ's place also in Aurora. I'll be, I hope I can pop by both of them. I'm definitely going to Stefan's thing uh, today at 5.30. I was asked by a listener, is the Tubbs thing still on? So letting you know that is. Then I also had the question about who are the conservative candidates for school board in Jefferson County? 
Um, Amara Hildebrandt, I think is her last name, and Thomas Wiki are the two candidates. Uh, definitely. I know, gosh, the opponent for Amara is as radical left as they get. Uh, and Thomas Wiki is just, seems like he's very sharp and has a lot of experience with regards to education. So uh, be sure to cast votes for Amara and Thomas. Welcome again. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. I teased it at the top. I want to get to it because it's my Tuesday column in today's Denver Gazette. Don't pay another dime for DPS clown show. Let me ask you, how much would you pay for a ticket to the perpetual clown show in Denver public schools? Now, folks, that's not a flippant or facetious question. The board voted to pay themselves a salary for the first time ever, or at least to make it possible for new board members or reelected board members to be paid a salary in 2021. That's $8,250 currently. Well, Denver School Board already wants to quadruple their own pay to over... $30,000 a year. Again, demonstrating the very definition of dysfunction. Now, why did I say clown show? Well, because longtime Denver civil rights activist Albertus Simmons once went up to the school board at a meeting where Tay Anderson and Michelle Quattlebaum totally derailed it for two hours in an embarrassing display of antics. The police chief, Ron Thomas, was there as an invited guest, and they made a big stink because they didn't want school resource officers to return, which a month or so later, they would be voted back to Denver high schools. While Verda Simmons was just like, what the hell am I watching in these antics? And he got up and he said, and I wish I had the audio here, I come to to show my support for SROs, but this is a clown show. He called it a clown show. And he was right. And came on this program or this station, uh, was Deborah's show before when he came on, it was 3 p.m., and he said the following, quote, Denver, Colorado, if this is how your school board conducts itself, your vice president and other board members, man, you got to take a hard look at yourself. How in the world can DPS ask students of DPS to do the right thing when they won't do the right thing, when they are in disarray? Well, now they want to give board members a salary boost from $8,250 to $33,000. Scott Esserman, the treasurer of the board, making the motion, saying... It's a whole other full-time job on top of a full-time job. Aww. Dr. Kerry Olson said, By paying us more, you will professionalize this school board. Are you kidding me? Professionalize the school board? As I say, the first step to professionalizing your work and attracting talented people is to act like professionals. That's not Denver School Board. For years, they've collectively behaved everything but professionally. 
So without belaboring the point, this is clearly patently absurd. But only in politics will you find a group with delusions of grandeur so great, so utterly void of self-awareness that they are readily convinced that it is acceptable to give themselves an unprecedented, unearned 400% raise. Of course, Tay Anderson said, we're just saying that let's pay board members for what they're worth. But let's be real, everybody. Denver's school board isn't even worth the price of admission. And they proposed this just before Election Day. They would vote on it. We'll vote on it on November 16th. I will say Scott Balderman is one of the two incumbents, as well as Charmaine Lindsay, who are on the ballot. And Scott Balderman said, I'm voting no because we need policies and procedures on expenses for the school board first. Because, you know, I mean, Tay Anderson went $13,000 over budget including $1,600 on private movie screenings of Wakanda Forever, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and The Little Mermaid. Like that That's totally wonderful spending of taxpayer dollars, right? And, of course, he got $3,500 in a reimbursement for legal fees that he got during a big investigation in 2021. Uh, he spent money on a lawyer, he was censured by the board, and the school district gave him $3,500 to repay some reimbursement. I mean, you just you can't make any of this stuff up. Just know that the school board, in this moment of an election, wants you to pay another dime, massive dime, 400% more, for this DPS clown show. Absolutely nonsensical. Another thing that we are monitoring, I have not seen yet any news that the House has voted yet on censoring Representative Rashida Tlaib. But that vote will be happening today in the House. We'll have more on that coming up. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. We're going to take a break. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Text in on the 710K and US app on your smartphone as well. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to text in, please keep it right here. News Talk, 710K and US. Coming back, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. Best bumper music known to man. News Talk, 710K and US. Little Walter Trout. Singing about, well, an admonition for every election day. Be careful how you vote for every election day because the one that you vote for might just let you down. You think voters in Denver are thinking about that four years after Tay Anderson was elected? You think voters in school board after school board or after school board are thinking the same thing? Right now, it is crucial to vote. If you have not gotten your ballot in, please make sure you do so before 7 o'clock this evening because it is so crucial. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Let's go to Trisha in Centennial. Welcome, Trisha. How are you? 
Oh, good. Thanks, Jimmy. And I have to agree with your bumper music thing. <laughs> Why? Thank you for acknowledging the truth. I appreciate it. <laughs> What's on your mind? I wanted to make make a comment about the professionalizing of uh, of the school board thing. Mm. If left, the, the thing is, leftists consider governing a profession. You know, they, they groom their people to Great be point. the permanent ruling class. And, and that, in fact, is our problem. So I've, I've got no issue with certain government positions being compensated while the person is serving them, but it's not to be your primary profession. And the fact that it is treated that way. That's half our problem right there. I think that's a great observation because they really do look at this as a career that you should aspire to in that way. And in fact, I'm looking here, if I can find the quote, back when Scott Esserman, who's the treasurer of the school board, was trying to get a job for Tay Anderson in the district, that is to say, to get Tay exempted from the district's conflict of interest policy for the school board. I was the one who exposed this. I'd gotten an email uh, that Esserman had sent, and in his email, he said, and I quote, we should want employees that would be district employees, like Tay Anderson yeah. used to be a district employee, so was Carrie uh, Olson and Michelle Quattawam, three members of the board. We should want employees to run for the board and also have comfort in knowing they have a guaranteed job when their service ends. So they believe all of this is about getting a job in the short run and after you're done. So, so the doctrine of self-governance means nothing to these people. And no, 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 no. Self-governance is just another word in their mind for self-interest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, yeah. that's literally all it is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Tricia, a great observation. Thank you for the call. Thank you. I appreciate it. Here's another text along these lines. What gives these people in the public school system uh, to make their own rules and pay themselves? They are employees of the people of the state of Colorado. What happened that they gave them the right to make themselves rulers? We need to take some rulers to, I don't know, your, your, I think you might have done a little talk to text, but I get the point. I get the point. These are elected officials who are the employees of voters. And they are saying not only that they put in the highest annual salary that a board member can get in any school district in the state of Colorado. I think the next highest is less than $6,000 a year, if I'm correct. And they want to quadruple it. From $8,250, that's before retirement benefits, to $33,000. You just can't make this stuff up. It is absolutely bonkers. Now, another story that we are monitoring is Rashida Tlaib. She is Congresswoman from Michigan. And she has a censure vote on the way because of her hateful and bigoted comments about Israel. As anti-Semitic as they come, here is a video that she published just a handful of days ago over the weekend. You can hear the audio, and I'll try and uh, comment on it a little bit as it plays. But let me tell you, it is deeply disturbing 
what she has said, what she has done, and yet here we are with a member of Congress. Listen to this. We stand with Israel. Explosions and vulgar imagery of civilians in Gaza. Then it's showing massive protest in Michigan and California, Pennsylvania. No peace on stolen land, they are shouting in Ohio, Illinois, free, free Palestine. The occupation has got to go in Illinois. And the blockade break the siege in New York. Innocent civilians are going to be hurt going forward. I wish I could tell you something different. I wish that that wasn't going to happen. But it it is going to happen. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. And it's showing another massive protest in Michigan. From the river to the sea, they are shouting, and she is showing it. We will remember in 2024. Joe Biden supported the genocide of the Palestinian people. The American people won't forget, it says in the video. Biden, support a ceasefire now, or don't count on us in 2024. Threatening electoral consequences to Biden for supposedly supporting genocide, which is far from the truth. That is not what is happening. That is not what Israel is doing. They are defending themselves, and Hamas uses innocent civilians as human shields in hospitals, in schools, you name it. Hamas goes in there and uses them as human shields. Israel is going after Hamas in self-defense, and innocent civilians are being caught in the crossfire. It is not what we would like, but it is what happens. Think about World War II. You had a hell of a lot of Germans that were killed who were civilians. But you know what? They were targeting, the Allies were targeting the Nazis. The Nazi military and innocents, uh, civilians were caught in the crossfire. That's what happens in war. It is tragic, but it is not genocide. The audacity of a congresswoman like Rashida Tlaib accusing Israel of genocide and ignoring the fact that actually the Jewish people are the victims of genocide. Six million murdered in the most brutal, worst of ways imaginable in the Holocaust. But she doesn't want you to remember that. We'll be back tomorrow, 3 to 4, with post-election analysis and your takes. So tune in then. In the meantime, get your ballots in and may God bless America.